This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Transparency, sustainability, engagement, technology, privacy. It's a crowded landscape out there. Explore the conversations on Reputation Forward, a Charleston Orwig blog about protecting and elevating your reputation at reputationforward.com. Jeff Simmons, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. You're speaking to me during the World Food Prize event in Des Moines. What's your reaction to this gathering of people from all over the world and their discussions about food issues? Tremendous event. Global event, probably one of the most desired. I was in Washington, D.C. to set today. Many individuals in food policy were headed this direction. This is the place to be once a year to talk about all aspects of food globally. As you look at our future food production from an animal health perspective, what will we have to do to allow people to have more animal protein around the world? I think it's critical to get out of our, I'm from Indiana, an Indiana or an Iowa perspective a little bit and think a little bit about the significance of meat, milk, and eggs. Animal-based agriculture is in a more critical need state than plants. Plants is critical. It takes the majority of this agenda. There's seven billion people now in this world. Three billion people are seeking to move for the first time to a meat, milk, and egg diet or just having an egg a day is a desire. So it is our job. And there's a bigger gap today in meat, milk, and eggs than there is in in, in the, on the plant side. So I think it's very critical to understand that, that we've got 75% of the future food demands in emerging markets is going to be a desire for meat, milk, and eggs. Where do you fit in as far as animal health? Is it necessary for people to have more technology to produce more animal protein? Great, great question. I was here four years ago and spoke, and I spoke on three numbers. 50, 170. By 2050, we need 100% more food. We all hear that. You never heard about the third number, though, and I think there's a lot more discussion. 70 is the 70% of the doubling that has to occur by 2050 is from technology, and that's where we fit in. That's where many companies fit in. The, the, the FAO says technology is really defined in three buckets. One, and that farmer, and all, it's the practices. It's what we do. Do it better. Throughout the whole food chain, it's practices. Second is genetics. Genetics of the animal, genetics of the plant. And the third is products. And that's where a company like Elanco comes in. It is absolutely up to us. I was in, I was in Argentina two weeks ago looking at 20% of the gap they're trying to fill could come from four of our technologies. It's absolutely essential that we have the technologies and the products that continue to increase the productivity. There's one key product that's a new platform that is a, is a technology that will, that will solve a, a significant disease in dairy, mastitis, and that will create some productivity. But, to, you know, they're looking at each animal, like the dairy, and saying, what's the gap between now and 2050? What can we do to fill the gap? And they're looking in these three areas. What can we do practice-wise uh, throughout the whole food chain? What can we do genetic-wise? And what can we do with our products? That's, that's the essence of it. That's how we fit in. So we're, we're in the 70%. I understand during your speech at the World Food Prize, you're going to carry an egg on stage with you. Why an egg? 
Here, here's why we're using an egg. People need to apply this to real life. And as I spent last fall in Kenya and uh, lived in the slums for a whole week, I took my 16-year-old daughter to Haiti. You say, oh yeah, you go to those extreme places. Well, I walked the streets of eastern Indianapolis where eight out of 10 kids are counting on a free breakfast and a free lunch. And the real desire is, listen, a desire, a desire even for my wife with our six kids is an egg a day is something that maybe we take for granted in Indiana and Iowa. Iowa, the, the biggest egg state in the country. Well, step back and look at this. If you go somewhere and you, you look at that egg, that is the desire of every mother. Can I get one egg to my child? Why? Why is it? Because an egg a day will provide enough nutrients for that child alone. Good nutrients. And what does happen? Just a year of that egg changes the brain development to a point where suddenly the education level skyrockets. That education level skyrockets. It only takes two or three years of that change. And suddenly the economics from that education and that change in that generation will totally change. Well, here's the situation with eggs. We are losing one egg per hen per year. Today, we've got six and a half billion chickens to produce the 174 eggs per person. We're losing an egg. Doesn't sound like much. It's significant. We will need three times more hens, three times more by 2050 if we don't change this trend. What's going on? We've got rampant disease. We've got an absolute huge gaping gap in innovation. We've got animal welfare practices that are not proven from Proposition 2 in California to Europe where they're taking them out of cages. Disease is up, production is down. What's happening? The shortages of eggs in Europe. There's an egg shortage in Europe. You're getting exports out of Mexico into Europe. And those mothers in Mexico that want that one egg per day per child, they're gone because they're chasing the euros in Europe into the exports. Morally wrong, economically wrong, animal husbandry wrong. Jeff Simmons, do you feel that animal rights groups are trying to take confinement away from our agricultural producers as a tool of productivity? We have to be very careful. We have to allow choice. I say technology is the one solution. Choice and trade are the other two solutions. We need to let trade, we need to let protein move around the world. We have to. There's parts of the world that are more productive than others. The third is choice, and this is where you're getting to with that question, Ken. We need to allow consumers to have the choice. We need to allow farmers to have the choice that what is regulated, what is proven by land-grant universities or our USDA or you know, the, right, the right groups that actually regulate the way animals are raised, the way products are used, we need to let them do their job. And then we need to let consumers have their choice. We released a paper last year that showed 95% of consumers globally. This is research done over 10 years, every consumer study that was done on technology and food. And it simply said 95% of consumers want cost, taste, and nutrition. 4% want luxury. They want maybe naturally grown, garden grown. That's, but 99% want taste, cost, nutrition, and choice. The concern is that 1%. The 1% maybe is what you're referring to. I refer to them as the fringe. And their, their goal is to take choice away. We must not let non-regulated, non-authoritative fringes take choice away. 
because it's wrong. Morally, economically, it's wrong for the animals as well. So my belief is we're changing some trends, but we need to remember who they are, what the motive is, and make sure we serve the 99% and stand up and talk more about this. What do you think of changing government relationship to livestock production so that producers could have greater certainty in raising their animals? Yeah, I think we need to be careful that we don't make it too political. We need to make sure what we're hearing loud and clear from agriculture today is we need, we need to make sure our food is safer every year. It's very safe today and, and keep the bar rising. Everybody wants that. But we need to be careful that more and more regulation, more and more policy to adhere to, if that hinders the way a farmer can raise animals, I think we need to be careful. I don't want to get into specific policies, but I do think it's a concern. Legislatively, what concerns me the most is propositions. To put a proposition on a ballot on election day when you step into a booth and it's a yes and no question. And the obvious question, if you even had a bunch of you know, individuals that are even in business and food not know exactly how to answer the question, that's a concern. Propositions have changed the ag industry. Over 20% increase in cost and the ag, ag industry in California is under major threat because of a proposition. We have to be very careful of state propositions, I believe. Jeff, let me finish up with your company, Elanco. Are you a player in the U.S. only or worldwide? We need to play globally. I'm, I'm a U.S. farmer. I grew up in a U.S. Uh, farm in, in the Northeast and, and still have a small farm of my own, and I believe that this is the greatest place. And we continue to need to be leaders in agriculture. And in a country right now that needs economic growth, we can help feed the world. So I'll start as an American and say that's a great thing. But we are a global company, and there's global opportunities. And a company like Elanco needs to be able to take technology globally. The best sustainable way to feed the world is to allow local production to continue to thrive. I will say, stepping back, I've never seen more exciting innovation. Elanco's pipeline's never been more full. We've never had more innovations approved and globalized than we have the last two years. We believe in this data and this trend. Feeding the world and 70% of it's going to come from new technologies and new practices is there. And if a farmer is out there listening now or anyone linked to agriculture or food in America or anywhere else, this is the growth industry of our generation right now. And we not only, it's a great economic opportunity, it is an absolute moral responsibility. And that's the message at the World Food Prize this year. Jeff Simmons. Thank you very much for being our guest for AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. That's AgriPulse Open Mic for this week, brought to you by Charleston Orwig. To learn more, go to reputationforward.com. I'm Ken Root.